My name is David Scott. I am the student ministry pastor here at Stonebridge. Um, I'm blessed to get to serve with you guys. There's a rumor going around that I was trying to kind of undercut the scriptures that David's been given to me, that that they were difficult, right? And uh, so I'll let you guys judge that. My past three had to do with uh, giving money, um, people dying maybe because they didn't give money, and then sort of meandering through a scripture. But anyway, I'll let y'all check that. I'm just here to say I'm thankful to get to share with you guys during the Christmas season. We have a pastor who let me get up here and do that today. Um, it's going to be great. I'm excited. It is the fourth Sunday of Advent. It is the last Sunday before Christmas um, Eve. And uh, our theme uh, through Advent has been this idea of time. Our theme verse is Galatians 4, 4 and 5. It says, when the set time had fully come... God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship, right? We've been talking about this idea that set time, um, that God has a specific time, an opportune time. Um, When the exact right time came, that's when we experienced Christmas. Uh, We've talked about two kinds of time. David has talked to you about Kronos and Kairos. Um, as those types of times, Kronos is the calendar time. It's the time on your watch. It's days, months, years, things like that. Kairos, per tune time. And so uh, David spent a couple of weeks looking at Kronos time and what are you doing with that? Time's created by God. It's a gift. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, he talked about the universal rhythm of life, that there's a rhythm that belongs to everybody. You guys remember, I think up here, he danced. Is that correct? You did the waltz, the box step, maybe? Box step. All right, yeah. So if you want to see him do that again, if you weren't here that week, just catch him after the service. Um, he'll dance for you, maybe with you. Who knows? Um, so just let the spirit move. Um, and then uh, there, we all, he also talked about pace, that pace is personal, and you've got to uh, be led by the spirit. We'll talk a little bit more. Um, about being led by the Spirit today. And then last week, he talked about waiting on the promises of God. Simeon and Anna were people that were waiting on God. And we talked about the things, the ways we wait on God personally and the ways that we wait on God biblically. Uh, one of the things I really wanted to recap with us is this idea um, that God works on Kairos time, that God works on this eternal time, opportune time. I think David said last week, um, God doesn't have a watch because he doesn't need one, not because he's, he's never late, but because he just doesn't work um, on that schedule, that when God looks at time, um, God looks at it like, uh, I tried to describe it to somebody one time, it's not like God's already seen the movie, but it's like the whole movie is just sitting in front of God, and God can look at any moment in it whenever he wants to, that all of time, if you could think about time being between this hand and this hand, God is just looking, and he sees all of time laid out before him, so when God looks at times, he doesn't judge it by dates or days, he judges it by opportunities and hearts and, and those things, and that can be difficult. Uh, for us. David referenced the verse from Second Peter last week uh, where it talked about a little bit about this struggle that we have as people who live in Kronos, but God lives in Kairos. It says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. If you are behind on your Christmas shopping, you probably wish you were the Lord right now, right? You wish you had that much time that it felt like you had a thousand years, but you don't. Um, but it says the Lord's not slow in keeping his promises as some understand slowness. We understand slowness in Kronos times. God understands it in Kairos times. Um, the idea that God is saying at the right time, that's when I do what I do. I do what I do at the most opportune time when the most hearts are most available and most ready to find me. But for us, that can be tough 
for us. And it says God's patient with us. He doesn't want us to perish, but he wants everyone to come to repentance. That's why God doesn't judge us based, again, on days or months and years. But he looks at, he looks at our hearts and he tries to find us in the moments that give us the greatest opportunities. I was thinking about another verse uh, this week related to that idea of that struggle between Kronos and Kairos. Tom mentioned Ecclesiastes 3 and the idea that there's a time for everything. Uh, verse 11 in that chapter, it says, God's made everything beautiful in its time, but he's also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. It's this idea that God has placed Kairos in all of us. There's a hunger for all, in all of us to want bigger time than just a calendar. Right To want our time on earth, not just to be the things that were on our to-do list, but to have been a part of something eternal and something great. That's something God has put on our hearts. And it says, basically, what Ecclesiastes says is that there's this frustration that exists because we know that there's a hunger for eternity in our hearts. But there's a struggle because on our own, we can't fathom eternity. So on our own, we're left to this chronos timeline when it's not really what we want. But God actually creates that for us, so that we'll hunger after him, so that we'll seek him for more than just figuring out how to make our calendar work today, but how to make our life work within the idea of eternity. Set eternity in our hearts. And today, we're going to talk about how do we really go after making the most of the eternity that God has put within our hearts. We're going to look at some people um, in a city called Ephesus. We're going to look in the book of Ephesians, just give you a little bit of information um, about Ephesus. Sometimes I read the Bible and it's hard for me to figure out how do I fit agrarian societies, uh, people that were nomadic. It's tough to figure out how how do I fit with that. With Ephesus, I can actually see a lot of things in in the city of Ephesus and with the Ephesians that I identify with. Uh, Ephesus was a thriving city. It was pretty urban, for their day, it had a lot of trade going on. They had a lot of religious activity um, that was big in Ephesus. They were a bit of an economic hub for the region. Uh, it's one of the reasons you see people like Paul. They're traveling uh, to specific cities, and Ephesus is one of those cities where Paul has the opportunity uh, to affect culture, even in the smaller surrounding areas. And so it had lots of things to occupy their headspace, their heart space, and their time. And I can get with that. That's familiar to me. I don't know about you, but I look around my world and I see that it's busy, that most of what I'm a part of in good ways is thriving, but there's a lot that can occupy my headspace and my heart space and my time, and God can get crowded out. In Revelation 2, in the book of Revelation, the first part of it, the part that I get, um, there's uh, letters written to different churches, and one of those is to the church in Ephesus. And this is what God says to the church in Ephesus. He says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and you've endured hardships for my name, and you have not grown weary. Essentially, I know that day to day you stick your nose to the grindstone and you try to do the right things and you try to keep your head above water in a busy, busy world. But he says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. He's, essentially, what he's saying to them is to, into the, in, in getting caught up in the midst of the day-to-day things, you've forgotten the most significant eternal thing. You've forgotten the most significant eternal relationship. And essentially what God says is, Ephesus, I want to bring you back there. So these are the people um, that Paul's talking to, these people that get stuck in the stuff that we get stuck in a lot of the time. They're stuck in the day-to-day. 
They're stuck in just trying to do the right things. Right? In the midst of that, they're missing out on something great, something that their heart actually cries out for. So we're going to read some of what Paul says to them in Ephesians 5. We're going to start in verse 8. We're going to go through verse 20. If you have a Bible, it's going to come up on the screen if you don't. Paul says this. He says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That's why it's said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. That phrase, every opportunity, that's our time phrase. That's kairos, making the most of your time. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. God the Father in everything, in the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ. I was thinking about the idea of make the most of our time. What does it mean to make the most of the time given to us? And it's actually something that we all want to do. Right? I know that nobody is allowed to say, I don't have time for that this month. How are you guys doing on that? Is everybody, anybody, anybody, you've messed it up, it's okay. Um, you can still get there. I messed it up. I messed it up this morning. I don't know that I'll have time uh, to say the things that I want to say. Uh, but, um, but, but I know, I know that we're all, we all struggle to not waste time. There's a multi, multi-million dollar industry out there just based on not wasting time. You may have read some of these books. You guys ever, anybody read Getting Things Done? You guys seen that one? Who's read that book? I read it. I, could, I didn't have time to finish the book. That's how much trouble was, right? I think some of what we waste our time doing is trying to figure out how to not waste our time. There's all kinds of activities. There's the make the list. There's the card with the three things. Have you ever done that? Uh, I once saw this thing where it was like, in order to remember things, you need to associate them with something you see around you. Have you guys seen that? It's like, I see that chair. And one of the things I was supposed to pick up at the store is pears. And so chair, pear, they rhyme. That's going to help me save. It's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous thing that we do in order to not waste our time. And so I was looking around, I was buzzing around on the internet, not wasting time uh, this week. And um, I found some items. Um, I love to eat. I don't know if you do, but I do. So go with me. And um, I found some items that are ridiculous ways to save time when it comes to food. And I just want to show you these. And I want you to, I really want to know if you don't tell me during the service, you have to tell me afterwards, if you have ever bought one of these. All right, here we go. Let's go. Number one. Where is it? All right, this is the rapid ramen cooker. Do you guys know about this? Anybody watch Shark Tank? This was on Shark Tank. This guy got money from people on Shark Tank for the rapid ramen cooker. It's actually perfect and imperfect, first off, ramen noodles. But in half the time, in half the time, which is like down from five minutes to 2.30, is that the deal? For half the time, here's a couple of things that are wrong with this. We'll get to the instructions in a minute if you can see those, but there's a couple of things that are wrong with this. I feel like, so that's not an expensive item. I looked it up. You can get it at your local Walmart or Target for about five or six bucks, but that's like 30 ramen, right? For five or six bucks. So the idea is if you're spending money on ramen, you're not going to spend money on the cooker. So I think that guy missed it in marketing. And then there's, there's just a couple of things going on here. First, can we all just admit this is just a bowl? <laughs> it's just a bowl. 
It's just a bowl in a package. And I looked at it, I did research, and it's just a bowl. And here are the three easy steps. These are the very special steps for the rapid ramen cooker. Just add ramen noodles. Yes, we get that. Add water to the fill line. Microwave for three minutes. Add seasoning and enjoy. We haven't changed a thing about ramen, but this guy's making money on the rapid ramen cooker because we can't. Six minutes is too long for ramen. We need it in three. All right, second one. What's the second one? Self-stirring coffee mug. Does anybody know about this? You, you want one. You, if you have her for Secret Santa, just give away. All right. This is, this is, it feels bizarre. It feels like somebody's going to get electrocuted. I'm not sure what's going on with this thing. But yeah, we don't, you don't have time to stir your coffee. That's how much of a hurry you're in. You are crazy busy, if that's the case. What's the next one? Raptastic. Does anybody know about Raptastic? So I'm going to tell you what Raptastic is. Raptastic is a container that you can put your saran wrap in that has a sharp edge on the side of it so that when you pull your saran wrap out, you can cut it with the sharp edge. Do you know what that's a lot like? The box that the saran wrap comes in. Yes. All right. And this is the last one. This one was the most upsetting to me and probably the one that you bought. Anybody snackies? Anybody? Oh, Brian, be good for you to admit. All right, snackies. Now listen, here's the thing, okay? This is one of the ones that really tricks you because it feels like you're like, yeah, that probably makes sense. Hold your favorite snack, which of course is fruit, right? That's everyone's favorite snack. Um, and your drink in one cup. And so you place a bowl inside your cup, but then the straw goes through the bowl. So you can, I don't, you can drink and eat. That, it feels like a mess, first off. It's marketed towards kids. And I'm trying to think of how many of you have toddlers who are so busy multitasking <laughs> that they can only use one hand for their snack. It's two hands. What are they doing? What are, is, is the cell phones too early? I don't know. We, we are desperate to not waste time, right? We, we are so desperate to not waste our time, but sometimes in our desperation to make sure that we're making the most of our chronos time, we get to the end of it and we think, what did I do? Right? We get to the end of our day, to the end of our week, the end of our month. Some of us will get to the end of Christmas and we'll think like, what, what did I do? Because there's an eternity in our hearts that wants more than to make the most of chronos. There's eternity in every heart that says, i got to make the most of Kairos. And so we're going to look at just two things very briefly in this passage where I think Paul is crying out to the Ephesians to say, I know your life is busy, but you could miss it if you get too busy. You could waste it if you get too busy. And I think God would cry out to us and say, I know your life is busy, but I don't want you to miss it. And so here's a couple of things. Here's a couple of things that can help you make the most of the kairos, of the opportunity, of the time, the perfect timing of God that you are living in right now. The first is this. Paul says, now you are light. Paul says, you were once darkness, but now you are light. This is kind of a summary for the book of Ephesians, and some people have even said this is a summary of Paul's theology. To say to those who are following Jesus, like, you had a life, you had a story, you had something that defined you and identified you, and now 
It's something different. You are light. Let me talk to you about how revolutionary this is. Uh, we've looked at different Christmas stories. Probably you have uh, over the course of this month. But one of them we don't often look at is John chapter 1, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. In John chapter 1, is it's, it's telling us the beginning of who Jesus was. It says this in verse 6. It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is John the Baptist, not the guy who wrote the book. It says, he came as a witness to testify concerning the light. And then John um, thinks it's really important. He says, so that through him all might believe. And and, And he points this out. He says, he himself was not the light. He says, John the Baptist was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And so it was really important early on for people to know, John the Baptist, great guy, great prophet, great man, but he wasn't the light. Right. And Matt, uh, Jesus actually says um, about John, um, he says, there is no one born of woman that's greater than John, but the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him. It's this weird, it's this weird statement. Whoever's least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him. If you go back and you look, Jesus starts to change the definitions of humanity when we come into contact with him. In Matthew 5, 14 and 15, it says this. Jesus is speaking to a group of people who are following him. He says, you're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. You start to knit these things together. The disciples, the apostles, Paul, started to knit all this stuff that Jesus was saying together. And what they found out is that when you come into contact with Jesus, you were darkness, but now you are light. Your life, no matter how big it could have been and no matter how big it is without Jesus, when you come into contact with Jesus, your identity fundamentally changes. And unless you recognize that, you will miss your opportunities because you will think that your life is smaller than it is. You will miss your chances because you will believe that the highest that you can reach is still a really great person. Right? One of the most Christmas things that you can do is to embrace your identity as light. He was light and he is light. And because of what he did, we can now be light. David talks about this all the time. He says identity comes before activity. If we don't understand our identity rightly, we will waste our opportunities. I was thinking about ways we waste chronos all the time. Um, and I waste it all the time. For me, the big thing is I lose my focus. Um, I'm ADD. If you, if you didn't notice, I try to stay in the rails uh, when I'm up here. But, um, but I lose my focus all the time. And uh, if you look, these are some of the ways I lose my focus. I don't know about you guys, if any of these you can identify with, right? I won't list them all. But there are all these ways that we can lose our focus. And when we lose our focus, we waste our chronos. But... When we lose our identity, we waste our kairos. And I was thinking about the things that make us lose our identity, the things that make me lose my identity. And I don't know if you can identify with any of those things up there. I don't know if that's the thing, right? You're still living in a dark place. For some of you, it's, it's because you haven't had that encounter with Jesus. You haven't been able to be changed. What Paul says in the passage is he says, we become light because we are exposed to the light. 
And anything that's exposed to the light becomes light, is what Paul says. And so maybe for some of us in here today, the reason that we're wasting our kairos is because we're still stuck in these identities because we haven't allowed God to expose us. And then for some of us, we've come to God, but we still think the best we can do is John. We still look at what we have left to us. We still think of what we were born with and not what God has given us through Jesus Christ. Right? We see our limits and we lose our identity as light. It's too much almost to fathom. Right? We talk about God being a God who gives good gifts to his children. And we kind of believe that when we pray for it on our birthdays. But the greatest gift we get is that God transforms us from darkness to light. We've got to grab hold of our identities. God is calling us out of these things. And into light. And while our darkness is made in the places we hide, we find our light when we let God expose us. And that's not always easy. I was thinking about people that find their light at Christmas. One of the easy answers is Mary, right? Mary finds her light at Christmas, right? Mary, Mary lays herself bare before the Lord, essentially, and says, God, this is, this is who I am. This is who I am, and you can have all of me. She's unsure, but she's available. And she allows herself to be available before the Lord. The other person I thought of was, you guys know, A Christmas Carol, right? The story of Scrooge, right? And Scrooge has the visits, and he's this one guy, and then he becomes this other guy. Right? But, there, but there's an element of truth in that, right? The idea that if we're willing to deal with the dark places within ourselves, if we're willing to not hide those things, if we're willing to let those things be exposed, we can actually become who God is calling us to be. We can be transformed from darkness into light. As Ashley and her, um, I'll tell you guys a story. So Ashley and I went to high school together, and um, we, uh, I, was, I, I was not a Christian in high school. Um, I, I knew she was because she was super nice, and she always wore this shirt uh, that said Windy Gap. And when I knew, figured out that wasn't a store at the mall, um, I found out it was a place that some Christians went. And um, so I knew Ashley was a Christian. I was not. We kind of knew each other a little bit, but not a ton. Um, and then I started working here, and I saw Ashley. And I don't even know if you remember this. One day, uh, we were right back there. It was after church, and Ashley walked up to me in a in, in somewhat kind of tentative way. She said, hey, David. I said, yeah. She said, were you different in high school? I said, yeah, I was. I was different. And it was an opportunity. It was this great moment for me. And I think about it, I think about it all the time now. It was this great moment for me to realize that I'm different. Right? That, that the fact that Ashley had been able to see who I was and now who I am that, that that part of me was able to be exposed reminded me of my identity in the Lord. That I'm not who I was and I'm not what I was born with. And neither are you. And for some of you today, I, th- I think the thing that God is saying is just, just let me reveal you. Just, just get exposed. Just get exposed this Christmas. Whether you feel like you've never been exposed or whether you, you, you were exposed and now you've gone back to hiding. Stop being afraid. Stop being afraid of what I'm going to find. Because whatever I find, I turn to light. Second thing uh, that Paul talks about, and uh, it's the other thing that I feel like God wants us to remember today, is the idea of making the most of time. Like I said, we all know 
um, what it takes, whether we can do it or or not, most of us know what it takes to make the most of our chronos, right? We have our systems. We try to figure out how to do it. We come up with a new system. There's books, whatever. But there's also this idea that God says it's not just about making the most of your chronos. It's about making the most of your kairos. He says, make the most of every opportunity. The scripture actually says, buy back the moments. Redeem the moments is the word. Buy them back. Redeem them like Jesus redeemed you. Buy back the moments like Jesus bought back you. And it says, because the days are evil. And what that means is that our earthly days are full of painful, laboring hardship. And it doesn't end. It ends for a little bit occasionally, but it will always come back. And so essentially what Paul is saying to the Ephesians in this, in this verse is he's saying, listen, you have an opportunity because you're light, right? Because of your identity, there's a new activity for you. We talk about identity precedes activity, but activity always follows identity. Right? Because of your new identity, because Jesus transformed you, he is light, now you are light. So now, since he is redeemer, you start to redeem. Look at the painful, toiling moments of life, and don't just get dirty in them. Buy them back by the grace of Jesus. Stop looking to meet Kairos needs with Kronos answers. I think one of the most discouraging things in life is when we try to meet Kairos needs with Kronos answers. I see it with students all the time, right? They think if I could just get that grade, if I could just get to that level of popularity, if I could just get on that team, right, that's going to be the thing that makes my life meaningful. And it's so difficult for me when I speak to middle schoolers and high schoolers to try to get them to understand. No one has cared what my GPA was for 20 years Right? How many of you? No. But they try to meet these Kairos needs with Kronos answers. But we do the same thing. We do the same thing. If I can just get to that salary level, if I can just get to that job position, if I can just get to that relationship, right? If we can just get those people in office, if we can just get those people out of office, if we can just figure out how to deal with that social issue, if we can just figure out how to get humanitarian aid to that place. And one thing I've learned, I'm not that old, you guys. I'm older than I used to be, but I'm not that old. But one thing I've learned is there's always another thing. There is always another Kronos need. And the more I try to meet them with Kronos answers, the more exhausted I get. Have you guys heard of this thing? It's called, what's it called? Uh, Not giving fatigue, but sort of like crisis fatigue, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? Where it's like people just turn it off. You just eventually turn it off because we get so much information now that we just can't handle it. But part of the problem is the reason we can't handle it is because we're still trying to handle it with Kronos answers and only the God of eternity can meet needs eternally. To make the most of our time, God wants us to start to be a part of what it means to be the light, to buy back the moments, to say, I know that you're dealing with a Kronos problem, but I have a Kairos God living inside of me. And we can buy this back for him. That's why he says, so find out what pleases God. Find out what pleases God in every situation. There's this invitation into relationship with God, not just, I'm going to give you a list. So here are the Kairos answers to the needs. It says, find out what pleases him in your family. Find out what pleases him with your spouse. Find out what pleases him in school. Students, just find out what pleases him. 
He says, be filled with the Spirit. Right? Be filled with kairos. Let's think about this and how far to go into this. If you've never had an experience of being filled with the Spirit, I would just say this to you today. Just ask. Just ask. Ask God to fill you with the Spirit. And if you want to know how to be filled with the Spirit, Paul gives you this parallel with being drunk. How many of you guys know how to get drunk? Don't raise your hands. You just keep going to the well until it's done. Even when it feels stupid. You just keep going. Be filled with the Spirit. And the last thing is worship. Right? The, the, last, the last couple of verses, the last couple of sentences in this, Paul's like, worship, worship, worship. He's like, psalms, spiritual songs, hymns. Just, just worship. Be thankful. Fill yourself with worship. Why is worship so important? Because worship is one of these things, like Bo was saying earlier, worship just puts a stake in the ground and says, I value Kairos over Kronos. Because worship in Kronos is one of the weirdest things you will ever witness. Right? It's a bunch of people standing up singing a song that they didn't write into the air. It seems so weird in Kronos when you think about worship, but when you start to think about worship in Kairos, what it says is there's an eternal king, and he wins. He wins. He always wins. And so I'm with him. I'm with him. Find out what pleases God. Be filled with the Spirit and worship. So we're going to close. Bo's going to come up here and we're going to worship. I think we have prayer teams. If the prayer teams can go ahead and come forward. encourage you to respond today however God is speaking to your heart, but just a couple of things. Um, is ask the question, kind of what's it time for you to do? For some of us, it's an identity issue. Making the most of our time is an identity issue. We are wasting our kairos on old identities. And Christmas can be one of the hardest times for that, you know? Right? Christmas, man, it brings up all the bitterness and all the loss and all the things I don't have and all the things I wish I could do. And so for some of us, I, I just want to encourage you today is, is would you let yourself be visible before God? That's one of the things worship does too, right? The times when I want to walk out of this room earlier are the times when I'm kind of feeling uncomfortable with who I am, when I'm focused more on me. And I won't let myself be visible in front of God. And so for some of you today, I, I just want to encourage you to just, whether you're sitting or standing or, or coming up here and receiving prayer, some of you just need to hear somebody else say, that's not who you are anymore. Like Ashley said to me, that's not who you are anymore. Some of you need to hear that today. I would encourage you to let yourself be exposed before the Lord. Even if you never have. Even if you, even if you never have, just, just, just give, give it a shot. Just see if he doesn't start to change the darkness to light. And then the other is, is this idea of activity. Are we making the most of time? Are we buying back Kronos moments? What are the Kronos moments in your life? And are you willing to chase after Kairos answers? Everybody's got Kronos crisis in their life. And would you believe that worshiping God, that being filled with the Spirit, that asking God, what do you want in this moment? Would you believe that that's going to do more than any of our toil and any of our worry 
in any of our anxiety. So that's what we're going to take the space to do. I encourage you um, to let go, to ask God to fill you, to fill this space and to worship. Will you all stand with me and I'll pray? God, I pray. Um, God, I pray specifically right now for people in this room that are just just living in a false identity or an old identity. At one point, it was a true identity. At one point, it was darkness. Or maybe even people right now in this room that they would say, I am darkness. God, I pray that you would move their hearts. God, to see what you bought for them. That you bought light. That you redeemed. For a boldness and, and a freedom and a vulnerability to be visible. God, the word exposed is a tough word to even say. But God, I, I know it's when we're exposed. God, that we're available to become light. So I pray that for people today. And then I pray for those that are struggling with an, for answers, God to the Kronos problems, those that don't know how ends are going to meet at the end of this year. God, those who aren't sure, parents who are unsure about their kids, kids who are unsure about their parents, spouses who are unsure and don't know. God, I pray for all of these, Lord. God, that you would meet us in the midst of these with the Kairos answers the answers that our hearts need, the answers that our world needs. God, we don't want to be people who are just praying in a room somewhere and thinking that that's what we're doing. God, we want to be people who engage in a, with eternal weapons for eternal change. So God, come and fill this space and fill us now. In Jesus' name, amen.